0: What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you in your walk toward eternity and your walk toward becoming the particular saint. that God our Father desires for you and all of us to become. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions per episode dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, dogma, relationship advice, evangelization, catechesis, discipleship, the list goes on. I will then spend time with your questions, pray with them, study. And try to get back to you in a way that is helpful for you to grow in virtue to grow in holiness however my disclaimer for the show is this i am not perfect every now and then i may say something that is not good if that is the case with my advice for you i want to encourage you to reject whatever it is that i say that does not help you to grow in holiness that does not help you to become a saint however if my advice is helpful though difficult then i really want to encourage you to lean in closer to jesus christ So that he can give you the grace to fulfill the demands of discipleship if you're a first-time listener shoot me an email with your own comments critiques and questions about today's show previous shows or for future shows at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com you can also rate us and review us on itunes and other podcast formats that helps other people to find out about the show and you can share us on your social media pages facebook twitter the gram that way, people might also find out about the show in and through your social media. Finally, if you text three three seven 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 and the word "ask Father Josh" A S K F R J O S H, you'll be able to join our email list and be entered. Um, for a chance to win a signed copy of my my book broken and blessed the drawing will be on December the 3rd so be on the lookout for that and also I really want to invite people as the Advent season gets closer to hit me up with questions that are specific to Advent and to Christmas um, so that we can enter into that season together Um, I'm sure you guys have questions about those seasons on today's show, we're going to discuss a number of really cool topics. We're going to talk about devotional prayers and salvation. We're going to talk about natural law and the hierarchy of men and women, specifically related to one of Matt Fradd's show's recent guests, Timothy Gordon, and his commentary on women and men. And also, we're going to dive into Kanye West and his new album, Jesus is King. But before we get into those topics, I want to share with you a glory story. All right. My glory story is uh, just this. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about this upcoming Focus SLS conference. Um, I was invited to not only speak at the conference this year, uh, but also participate on on a Q and A Q&A panel for with our with our board that we're going to be ex- uh, revealing at the conference, which is kind of cool. Um, but I'm also going to get to do my podcast, Ask Father Josh, live at SLS. And so I'm just super excited that they're inviting me to to bring this podcast um, to the conference to do it live. So if you want to come and be with me whenever I record, then I really want to encourage you to get plugged in and come and join us for SLS this year with focus. It's going to be in January, and it's going to be absolutely. Uh, amazing and I'm really just stoked because I have so many of my friends who I never get to see but a few times a year and and so I'm gonna get to hang out with some friends who have been near cages of grace for me and it's just gonna be good to be with them so uh, my glorious story is I'm just excited about December and January and getting to see old friends and also getting to share um, some of these gifts that uh, Ascension Press allows me to participate in with a wider audience at this SLS conference so yeah that's my glory story. All right, on to today's show. We have some feedback from Mary. Mary, did you know? Yeah, she knew. All right, she says this, Father Josh, I just found your podcast and I listened to your most recent one. Your enthusiasm and your passion and love for the Lord is inspiring. I had goosebumps while listening and I truly admire how you address everyone who contacts you with so much love and respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-E-T. Take care. T-C-E-B. Respect. A. Uh, Yeah, that's a shout out to Aretha Franklin. Uh, I wanted to let you know that I'm excited to listen to more of your podcast. And I also wanted to ask if you've ever thought about recording your singing. (laughs) Uh, You sang a worship song while you prayed at the end of the episode. And I thought it was truly beautiful, a beautiful way to worship God. Thank you. And God bless you, Mary. Yeah, you know what, Mary? Um, no, I've never thought about uh, recording because my parents always tell me I can't sing. So, uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll do it for Christmas. I'll record something and uh, and I'll put it on a CD for them to listen to over and over again uh, for, for their enjoyment. All right, next feedback comes in from Irving. Irving says, hey, Father Josh, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you do. Hearing you through this podcast, especially the ones dealing with freedom and scrupulosity, Help me to navigate my way out of this self-inflicted depression and anxiety. Thanks to you and the mercy of God, I've come to realize that the closer and closer I get to my faith, the freer I become, which seems to be self-contradictory initially, uh, but to be honest, uh, it was a fear of mine with my journey in the faith. You put my vocational discernment anxiety to rest, and I've accepted to love Jesus as my one and only vocation and let what follows fall into place. God works in mysterious ways, and I'm thankful he put you in my path. Hope to meet you in person one day. P.S. I also listened to your book and found it really helpful. Can't wait for the next one. Best wishes. God bless Irving. Yeah, Irving, man. Dude, praise God. I'm so happy to hear that. And I'm sure we will meet one day. um, If not on earth, definitely in heaven. I pray that we both receive the grace of perseverance. And our final feedback comes in from C. C writes this. So, Father Josh, I felt compelled to email you after listening to yesterday's podcast. As someone who has dealt with extreme anxiety in the past and, in fact, still struggles with it today, just to a lesser and far more manageable degree, I really feel like your advice to Sloan was spot on. I think it is so important to continue to raise awareness of how devastating, unchecked anxiety can be to a person and those they love. You were also correct that it truly takes a number of different tools to keep severe anxiety in check. It took me a combination of prayer and faith, coupled with therapy, medication, to fully be able to control my anxiety. I know Sloan asked about saints that she could ask for intercession an from, and one of my favorites is Saint Dymphna. She's literally the patron saint of people with anxiety, mental illness, and neurological disorders. I keep one of her medals on my keychain, so she is never that far from me. I also find praying the rosary has a very calming effect. I know the rosary is one of the most powerful tools in the Catholic toolbox, but for helping with anxiety, it has a few other benefits that may go unchecked. Hear me out. I think it'll make sense. First, you first have to have the physical beads. This gives you a tactile focal point that you have to pay attention to so that you can keep up. This helps to pull your focus away from the often irrational thoughts that create the anxiety. Secondly, you have the rhythmic nature of prayers. I find that the rhythm of the rosary helps draw me into a deeper meditation and focus on Jesus and our Blessed Mother and further away from those negative thoughts and feelings. And finally, you have the sheer length of the prayer. At fastest, I can pray a rosary in 18 to 20 minutes. Longer if I pray in Latin. I pray the rosary in the morning in Latin, and we pray one at night together in English as a family. That is 18 to 20 minutes. I don't have to focus on anything else but Jesus. Anyway, thank you again for discussing this subject and bringing awareness to it. God bless. See you. All right, see, thank you so much for sharing that advice. Uh, that is super, super helpful, and I love how practical it was as well. All right, let's get into today's show. All right, on to today's show. Our first question comes in from Sylvia, and it is this. What does the natural law say about the hierarchy of man and woman? Hey, Father Josh. I was listening to the Matt Frad Show, and the episode was talking about feminism. The episode talks about how feminism cannot be good at all, which I don't agree with, but the guest speaker talks a lot about how it goes against natural law and the magisterium. He was saying many statements about the man being the head of the household, which I think I understand this, but not in the way they were explaining it, and women shouldn't work, etc., I was just wondering if you could talk about feminism and what the church teaches exactly. I do want to clarify, I understand feminism today is not all good, with all the shouting out about abortion. I'm asking more about Catholic feminism. I guess I just don't understand what the speaker was saying about natural law. How does it go against natural law? Is there any truth to what he was saying? I understand that this question might be complicated, especially since you probably did not listen to the episode. Thank you and God bless, Sylvia. Well, Sylvia, I'm super excited to answer your question because I, in fact, did listen to the entire episode. It was really long. um, And I have a few thoughts I want to share with you um, about feminism, about those papal documents that Timothy Gordon, who was the guest on Matt Frad's show, was discussing and commenting on, um, as well as some insights from more modern popes like Pope Benedict XVI and Pope John Paul II, who's a great saint, and other saints who have preceded us And our walk toward eternity. So, first and foremost, uh, feminism. What does the church teach about it? Well, it depends on how you define it, what the church says about it. If you define feminism as the belief that men and women are equal, then yeah, the church definitely supports that, believes that, and we claim that to be true. In fact, in 1995, St. John Paul the Great, St. John Paul II, who was our holy father, the Pope, he wrote about this and he said this, and I quote, it depends on women. To promote a new feminism which rejects the temptation of imitating models of male domination in order to acknowledge and affirm the true genius of women in every aspect of life and society and to overcome all discrimination, violence, and exploitation. All right, that's from a saint. John Paul the Great said that we need a new feminism. And I believe he's defined that feminism as definitely Inequality of the sexes. Um, so, but also in that particular show, Timothy Gordon uh, was discussing papal documents. And throughout the, the interview, um, he spoke specifically about women not being able to work outside of the home if they're married, if they're someone's wife. And he cited papal documents to back up his argument. But I want to propose that he was reading those papal documents out of their context. So so what do I mean? It's possible to read a text that was written to a group of people in a specific period of time and to not really fully understand what that text was trying to communicate to those people in that time. For instance, this happens in scripture, in the Bible, sacred scriptures. Moses, he wrote the first five books of the Bible, right? We know that to be true because it says Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible in the Bible, all right, the Pentateuch. Um, but he wrote the book of Leviticus and he said this in Leviticus. Moses wrote, Do not clip your hair at the temples, nor trim the edges of your beard in Leviticus 1927. All right, this verse from Moses in Leviticus, it was talking about the ancient mourning practices. And the ancient customs of the Canaanites that were forbidden for the Israelites, especially the priests who the book of Leviticus was actually intended for. Moses, he wanted to show people that mourning was not necessary if they believed in God's salvation. Like, this is why it's really important to keep in mind that there is a historical critical method and approach to reading the Word of God that helps you to understand the customs, the history, the time, the place, the culture a book in the Bible was being written in and their audience was being written to. If you were to pick up that that verse from the Bible and read that passage today and not understand the context, then you might be led to believe that you're not supposed to cut your hair. You're not supposed to trim your beard. I mean, that would mean every man that trims his beard is is sinning. That would mean every person that cuts their hair is sinning. That's not what the Bible meant. There was a specific context that Moses was writing and a specific audience he was trying to address because of specific things that were happening in their community. Now, with regards to the papal documents that Mr. Timothy Gordon uh, who I don't know much about him. I just know he was the guest on Matt Frad's show. Um, that he cited throughout. Um, he included documents from Pope Pius XI, namely the Divine Redeemer, and and also in the 40th year, and also Pope Leo the 13th, very famous encyclical letter, the um, Navarum. Um, and, and just. As it's important to apply the historical critical method to the, the sacred scriptures, the Bible, I think it's also important to apply the historical critical method, the approach, which you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a huge fan of JDP stuff, ABCDFGQB, whatever, um, but I do appreciate the cultural like kind of context of things. So I think it's important for us to apply a historical critical approach to papal documents as well. When they were written, by whom were they written, for whom were they written, what was the context of what was happening in the time these letters were written. All right, so what was the context? All right, so Popeye was was, uh, writing specifically against unjust wages. In one document, specifically about the economy, how it should not be based on unjust wages that prevent families from living on one income, and how women should not be forced into wage labor. Um, In the other document, he was specifically writing about communism, which was trying to tear families apart by forcing husbands and by forcing wives to both work outside of the home so that the children would have to be formed under the ideology of communism and not in the context of the domestic church. When Pope Leo wrote his letter, he specifically was writing about hard manual labor that was uncommon for women in that time to participate in, like mining, manufacturing, and construction. So when we read those papal documents, and when we read how they say that the the woman should be in the home, they were writing specifically about that to address the evils that were happening at that time, the evil of unjust wages, the evil of communist ideologies, and the evil of trying to to force women or children to to do things that they just could not do at that time. It was uncommon for them to do at that time in history. So I think it's really important then to approach these historical papal documents um, through the lens of some of our church's greatest saints and their greatest theologians, One of the church's greatest theologians, who I believe after he dies and after he becomes a saint, will become a doctor of the church, um, Pope Benedict XVI, when he was Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger. uh, He was the prefect for the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith. Um, So whenever he was the prefect for the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith, he said this with regards to women. And again, this man knows his philosophy and he knows his theology a lot more than we do, okay? So this is what he said. In this way, I quote, women who freely desire will be able to devote the totality of their time to the work of the household without being stigmatized by society or penalized financially, while those who wish also to engage in other work may be able to do so with an appropriate work schedule and not have to choose between relinquishing their family life or enduring continual stress with negative consequences for one's own equilibrium and the harmony of the family. Notice, he, Cardinal Ratzinger, who became Pope Benedict XVI, proposes that women who want to stay at home should be able to stay at home, and women who want to work outside the home should be able to work outside the home. His predecessor, St. John Paul the Great, also commented on the dignity of women as wives and as mothers in his awesome letter to the Family Familiaries Consortium, where he wrote, The true advancement of women requires that clear recognition be given to the value of their maternal and family role by comparison with all other public roles and all other professions. Furthermore, these roles and professions should be harmoniously combined If we wish the evolution of society and culture to be truly and fully human, right? He not only wrote about women in the family uh, in this letter, but he also wrote a letter specifically to women, his letter to women, that I would encourage you to read. Now, then the next question is, after we look at these holy men, these great philosophers and theologians and what they wrote about, the way they looked at these documents, the way they walked with the church toward eternity, it's then really good to look at the saints, who lived their lives following the church's documents and their walk toward heaven. Specifically, one of the greatest saints of our modern times is a woman, laywoman, wife and mother, and doctor by the name of St. Gianna. St. Gianna was a wife, mother, and doctor, and she discerned together with her husband that she would serve her family as a wife, as a mother, and as a doctor because she had a charism to heal the sick through medicine, She did not have to work for financial reasons. She and her husband discerned together and chose that her working would give her enough life and energy to where she would be fed by participating in her charism in the body of Christ. In being fed by the Lord, she was then able to go back and be a better wife and a better mother to her kids because of it. Her husband once wrote this, and I quote, Already during our engagement, Gianna asked me about continuing her profession, at least as long as her obligation as wife and above all, his mother allowed it. I did not oppose that because I knew well how enthusiastically she practiced medicine and how attached she was to her patients. She had a gift, not only to offer her husband and her kids, but she had a gift to offer patients. If we would have told her, hey, look, no, you, you, can't, you can't serve those patients because you're married now. How many people would have suffered in the body of Christ because she would not have been operating in her charism that she and her husband discerned she was called to operate in? One final note. I really want to encourage you to follow the scriptures which teach us to test every spirit. Like with regards to hearing people speak about church teachings on podcasts and YouTube videos, reading about what they say about church teaching and blogs, I would highly encourage you to adhere, adhere to the scriptures, adhere to the scriptures and test every spirit, including everything I say on this podcast. Take it to prayer, study, and spend time with these words of public figures. And bring them before the Lord before you immediately accept them and share them with other people. So, anyways, that's a lot. But let me know what you think. Let me know what you think. Because uh, I have a lot more I could say about that particular show. uh, But I'll only say it if I'm asked um, and if the Lord wants me to. So, uh, let me know what you think. Hit me up with more questions at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final two questions about devotionals and about Kanye to the West. All right, next question comes in from Reagan, and it's about this. Can devotional prayers guarantee salvation? Hey, Father Josh, I recently found your podcast, and I've enjoyed it a lot. I love your little breakout sessions when you start singing. Yeah, me, me too. I, I enjoy that as well. So I've been saying this prayer called the 12-year prayers of St. Bridget of Sweden for a few years now. I think... Reagan is the 15 prayers of St. Bridget, but, you know, I'm not perfect. I could be wrong as well. Uh, but I started saying it because of the promises it offers you, and these are some of the pro- promises. The soul who praise them will suffer no purgatory. The soul who praise them will be accepted among the martyrs as though he had spilled his blood for his faith. The soul who praise them can choose three others whom Jesus would then keep in a state of grace sufficient to become holy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These are some pretty great promises, but I don't fully understand how you could be saved from hell if your soul is under mortal sin. So, how could a soul of mortal sin be saved by going straight to heaven, promise one with no purgatory, and also be accepted as a martyr? I'll answer this question before I go on. They can't. <laughs> uh, this question goes for the person saying the prayer and to the three people they choose and their four generations. Like, there's a possibility that my great-grandchild could decide to reject the faith. So, how could a person who openly rejects the faith still be saved? Um, they can't. Uh, and, and how does the church view these promises? So, From my understanding, the church, the promises that are attached to these devotional prayers that were a private revelation, the promises have been forbidden to be published by the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, then known as the Holy Office, in 1954. Um, That's what my research shows me. My research can be off. So what do I think about the devotional prayers themselves? I think that the private revelation that supposedly was revealed to St. Bridget is a good thing. It's a good practice. My mom prayed those prayers for a year the 15 Prayers of St. Bridget uh, for an entire year when she was in her, like 19 or 20 years old. And it was very good for her. And she received a lot of supernatural graces from God um, because she was faithful in meditating on those prayers. And it really has shaped her spirituality to this day. Um, like she's literally a woman who is super sensitive to Jesus, right, and to offending Jesus, because she spent so much time, a whole year, every day, an hour a day, focusing on the meditations that St. Bridget has given to us. So I think the, the meditations can be delightful. I, mean, I tried to do them. I couldn't do them because I just, I couldn't, right? Um, I tried multiple times. I just couldn't do them. But my mom did them. It was helpful for her. But as far as the promises go, uh, I like the promises. I think they sound cool, but they're not church teaching. They're not doctrine. They're not dogma. So you are free to reject those those promises um, because they are not official teachings that have come to us from divine revelation. They are only private revelation, if that, um, and they were forbidden to be published. So I know that people in my life have had beautiful experiences uh, with God, with those promises being revealed to them. Uh, But again, that's private to them. It's specific to them. And so we can't take our subjective experiences and make them objective realities for everybody else. So that's what I would say to your question. Final question comes in from... Someone whose name I don't have, but I have the question, and it's about Kanye West. Says this, Hey, Father Josh, first of all, I want to say thank you for the podcast. I love listening to it on my way to school. It's really great to hear something positive and relative to what the Catholic Church communities represent from the past to the present. Anyway, uh, this may be an odd question. However, I've been noticing throughout the media, thanks to Kanye West, as of right now, more people are interested in the idea of the church and of Christianity so, with that in mind, is that something we should be proud of that our culture is embracing throughout the mass media? And what are your thoughts on Kanye West's uh, new album, Jesus is King? Well, great question. I think it's always a good thing when people talk about Jesus for whatever reason, by whatever means. If anyone is talking about Jesus Christ in the church and the media, that's always an occasion of grace. I remember when Whitney Houston died at her funeral, it was on like CNN, Fox, MTV, BT, all over like the the, the television screen for hours, uh, they broadcast a church funeral service where people spoke about Jesus and sang gospel songs. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. I think what Kanye West is doing now is really beautiful and that he's talking about Jesus and that he's singing about Jesus and he's praising Jesus. That's that's really a good thing. My, my, one of my best friends, Sam, went to. His Sunday service uh, here in Baton Rouge on a Friday night recently and said it was awesome. He said it was a powerful experience of prayer and a number of people uh, gave their lives to Jesus Christ at this Kanye West uh, event uh, for Christ. So I think it's, it, it could be a good thing insofar as it draws people to Jesus. If it's a near occasion of grace, then praise God. Um, as far as the album, I think the album's okay. I enjoy listening to it. I thought it was a good album. I didn't think it was Great, I thought it was good though, um, but I do believe that we should support this kind of music positive music, music about the Lord, music that uh, doesn't degrade other human beings. Uh, and because when we do this, when we support these kind of albums, when we support Christian movies or movies that have just good morals and values and virtue, when we do that, uh, the music industry listens, the movie industry listens, and they will begin to produce more music and produce more films that glorify God and that are virtuous and that are not near cages of sin for people who listen to them or watch them. So that's what I think about that. Okay, so that's today's show. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, I ask that you give each and every single one of us the graces that we need to always be bridges for other people to come into relationship with Jesus Christ in the sacramental life of the church he founded 2,000 years ago. We ask this prayer, Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Mary, pray for us. Okay, that's the show. I hope you enjoyed it. I cannot wait to continue to walk with you toward eternity. I will see you next week. God bless.